You're listening to the Study Legal English podcast, helping lawyers and law students become fluent in legal English. For more information, visit studylegalenglish.com. This episode is sponsored by italki. Italki is a platform where you can find lots of English teachers and teachers of many other languages and take language classes online. Now, it's really really great to study with a real teacher because there are many times when we don't know a specific word or we don't know quite how to say something correctly. And of course, you can look this up on the internet, but you're never sure whether the information you have found is indeed reliable. A real teacher can make sure you're learning the correct vocabulary and the correct way to say things. If you would like to try out iTalki, then you can get $10 of free iTalki credits when you purchase your first iTalki class. Just visit go.italki.com/studylegalenglish. I'll leave the link in the show notes. Hello and welcome to the Study Legal English podcast. I'm Louise and today I've got a very special guest with me. It's Alex Wood. He's a litigator with over 20 years of experience. Uh, he runs his own firm called Redwood Legal. So, hi, Alex. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, you specialise in cohabitation disputes and disputed wills, contested wills. Yep. A lot of that, small uh, individuals and small businesses. So, do you want to talk a little bit about why? you decided to get into litigation yeah i think partly because crime doesn't pay yeah ha 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 and that was what i was in like uh, eight, eight ten years ago now yeah and that is actually my background as a criminal litigator from when i was a young lawyer mm-hmm. and i realized that uh, it wasn't really a sector to be in in the long term and i stumbled on financial mis-selling Mm-hmm. litigation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. being the crusader who actually ended up on a silly daytime tv show helping people who had issues with the banks yeah the ppi payment protection insurance stuff the interest rate interest rate swap stuff mm-hmm. anyone who'd been diddled by a big high street bank yeah i was prepared to jump on my charger and uh, go after them yeah Why did you feel so strongly about representing these people? You know, we're products of our childhood, aren't we? Uh-huh. As we were talking earlier. Yeah. And I worked for my father's business. He was kind of successful. What's the word? Sort of uh he was director of a manufacturing company in Colchester in Essex. Mhm. So, sort of a self a self-made man. And for a couple of years I, you know, flirted with the idea of the son following the father working in the family business. Yes. And in the legal department we came across a big construction dispute. My father's company had done a lot of work for Balfour Beatty. Mhm. Yep. And you may or may not wish to edit that name out of the video. <laughs> and uh, they it was we were in his boardroom. Mm-hmm. and the legal team from Balfour Beatty were there they weren't paying about 170,000 pounds worth of invoices for noise proofing of a big construction job mm-hmm. that we'd supplied for them and they were pretty much 
All right. Sue us if you like. Yeah. We have bigger lawyers than you. Mm. You are a small business. You won't be able to go the distance. Mm. You won't be able to afford the risk of losing and ending up saddled with a six-figure legal bill. Gosh. That fear alone made the company settle on very unattractive terms. Yes, yeah. So you kind of felt that that kind of gave you this, I don't know, it encouraged you, it motivated you to want to represent the the underdog, maybe. Yes, it did indeed. And I I guess um, the crusading spirit hasn't been entirely knocked out of me. Mm Mm-hmm. But it also identified a problem. And that, that problem is you've got a very strong claim, mm. but you're not well healed enough to take it through the court system. Mm. So uh, I've over time, first with the financial mis-selling litigation, which I did on a most of the cases I did on a no-win, no-fee basis, mm-hmm. I developed a business model where... I took calculated risks with cases that I thought were strong in return for a percentage of the winnings, of mm-hmm. the client's winnings. Mm-hmm. And that allows or allows access to justice for people who might not otherwise be able to get it. Yes. And uh, you mentioned that you, 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 you mentioned very briefly that you were on television. Was that rip-off, uh, rip-off, yeah. uh, don't rip-off, rip-off Britain? Britain. Yeah. Yes, very good. Gloria Hannaford and couple of other luminaries from the television industry i forget their names now yes yeah and uh, in fact it was uh, via video that i came across you because as i was researching small claims for the podcast i uh, i found your excellent excellent youtube channel which has got lots and lots of resources and uh, really really helpful so i um get i'm going to leave a link uh for listeners and for for people who are watching the video to check out that youtube channel because it's very very helpful so you mentioned that you deal a lot with no win no fee can you explain a bit about what that actually is <laughs> watch one of my youtube a, videos a... <laughs> i did a youtube yeah. video recently which i really did try to give the skinny and just yeah. give, give it in a nutshell because unfortunately unlike in america mm. where you can just say to a client look give me 30% of mm. what you win and I'll work for free. It ain't quite that simple because, you know, there were some rather, reforms well, a fair yeah, few years there ago. Were, there, there were some reforms yeah. and we'll definitely mention, remind me to mention that. Mm. But the big background goes back to the Access to Justice Act mm. in which uh, Parliament said, look, we've got to give access not to poor people, mm. to people on middle incomes who can't get legal aid. Um, and no win, no fee was created out of that parliamentary mm-hmm. initiative. Uh, the the I basically all the client needs to know is you're going to have to part with a percentage of your winnings. Mm. Let's put some flesh on the bones and take a contested will mm-hmm. case. Yeah. You know there's a big estate, someone's died, they've left a million in property, whatever it might be. Um, you go to the lawyer and you say, look, I think I've got a, a claim against the estate mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And the lawyer says, okay, uh, here's my hourly rate. And you go, ah, mm. 
And then you say, is there another way? And you say, well, yes, I could, if you like, leverage that future pot of gold that you might get Mm -hmm. and take a cut of it in return for working for free. And that cut depends on the all sorts of factors. But let's say it's 25 or 30 percent, typically. Um, but the, why it's not a purely kind of contingency is the clever word, legal word. Why, why, why it's not purely just a share of the pie mm. is that there are expenses that you would probably have to cash flow, court fees, experts' fees, yeah. perhaps barristers' fees. Uh, and critically... And this was part of the uh, design of the Access to Justice Act because the parliamentarians or the judges acknowledged and recognised that it was all very well me working for a share of the pot of gold. But what if, and this comes back to the construction case I was Mm -hmm. talking about that my father's manufacturing company experienced, what if you have to tell the client, if you lose... You don't have to pay my fees, but you have to pay your opponent's fees. And if they get an expensive law firm, that could be huge. Yeah. So the Access to Justice Act built in the protection whereby you could take out the special insurance mm-hmm. and that insurance would pay for your opponent's legal bill if you lost. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, So that was an expense. Yeah. Insurance premium as well as court fees, experts' fees, barristers' yeah. fees. Yeah, yeah. So although you are, uh, you know, your lawyer is working for free, and that's probably going to be 60 78% of the fees in the case, yeah. there are these additional expenses that someone has to cash flow. And if, you want a, if you want a law firm to help with those fees, they're going to take an even bigger share of the, of, of, of the pie. Yes, yeah, yeah. And uh, weren't there, there were some reforms about 10 years ago that were trying to, like you said, to limit the, some of the, um, some lawyers taking, uh, asking for too much money or asking for a lot. Was that some... Yeah, well, you know, we, it's all, it's a seesaw, isn't it, the yeah. law? So what then happened after the Access to Justice Act, mm. the personal injury lawyers' eyes lit up because mm. they could see that there were, that, that there were golden times ahead. Yes, yeah. Um, because if you do win, your opponent has to pay all of those expenses, all of your legal fees, and, uh, and this is why it's not purely a share of the pie arrangement, your uplift because it's not actually although as far as the member of the public is concerned it does mm-hmm. look like a slice of the pie arrangement it's not the the deal is the lawyer if he wins is allowed to increase his hourly rate up to a hundred percent Wow! so you're then um technically your legal bill is double what you thought it was yeah but if you win the other side pays that so the other the, basically the insurance industry motor insurance especially because it's the personal injury yeah. solicitors out there who who've who've um, those accidents yeah 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 so the insurance industry didn't like it because their lawyers were having to shell out and obviously therefore they the insurance mm. industry 
we have to be shell out very large legal uh, cost orders against them as well as the actual personal injury damages themselves mm. and they went crying to parliament and in 2013 they they cried so hard and that the parliamentarians decided that we lived the compensation culture and now yeah. we've seesawed the other way yeah so it's some more stricter rules came in yeah and what yeah the basically they dismantled what i've just described yeah uh, not entirely but substantially yeah. and a lot of personal injury law firms have now gone to the wall or are going to the wall yeah 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 um it's still possible to do it but it, you, you have to look at it at case by case basis and also certain sectors mm. where it works and certain other sectors uh areas of law where it doesn't mm. and um so talking uh, about litigation what uh just as a brief overview what do you think what are the key skills you need to be a litigator I think you need to uh, be, uh, well, you need to have a very thick skin. Because mm. day in, day out, you are writing nasty letters, you are getting and reading nasty letters, yeah. and you're making nasty phone calls, and you're getting nasty phone calls. And unlike a fancy barrister with his wig and his gown, he swans into, he picks up his brief, and he swans into court, yeah. and he's like the actor, the performer. After the show is over, he goes home. But the the litigator is there for the, the not just the battle, but the war. Mm. And that requires quite a lot of determination and, ten and tenacity. Mm, mm, mm. You don't really want to invite a litigator to a dinner party because they're quite aggressive and they'll they'll make you feel very stupid if you're given <laughs> half the chance. Because they like a good argument. <laughs> They're designed to be not just in court, you know, for an hour during the hearing. Oh, my honour, you know, I submit that. They're designed on the phone, dealing with the client, uh, dealing with, the, with their opponents, dealing with their own staff in quite a ruthless and aggressive way. Yeah. Now, there are, I'm sure there are very good litigators who are sweet as honey and lovely and, you know, and, and big cuddly teddy bears. But the ones that I've met, the successful ones, they're not the sort of people that I would invite round for tea. Yeah, need to be a bit hard to deal with all of that, I imagine. <laughs> I've seen friends dismantled over a drink. You know, yeah. I had a good mate, businessman, and he came for dinner with the litigator, and just somewhere out of the blue, the litigator like, just decided to go after him. It's like having a rockfiler, you know. They, need to, they belong in their cages or chasing wild animals or whatever it is rock violence do yeah but you don't you know introduce them to your children do you mm. be, keep them at a keep them at an arm's length uh so can you give some examples of some cases some interesting cases that you've worked on i can what would you like a swedish cohabitation property dispute or suing the bank of america Ooh. I th suing the Bank of America, I think, especially at the moment with all of the trade wars going on, it's quite topical. Well, <laughs> I've made it sound grand now, but it was a, uh, you know, one of my favourite, although nail-biting experiences. Mm. I represented uh, a lady who, in Milton Keynes, who was unhappy about, it was quite a small 
case. It was only sort of £10,000 value. Mm -hmm. And we were going after MBNA credit card, which is owned by the Bank of America. Mm -hmm. And we were suing them for them mis-selling an insurance product on our credit cards. And she had credit cards coming out of her ears. Mm -hmm. She had numerous ones with the same credit card company. But back in the day, unfortunately, credit card companies uh, were on a gravy train mm. and they were sticking insurance products on credit cards without telling the customers. Yes, yeah. And the wonderful thing about credit cards, Einstein called credit cards and compound interest the eighth wonder of the world. Because over time, and everyone has a credit card, or did have, yeah. the, the, the curve on a credit card, on the uh, interest and on the principle goes like that yeah just completely as, as out of compounds yeah you wonder why they were handing them out like confetti that's the reason yeah and, and no one can pay that back i mean you know well very tough to if you've got several credit cards yeah it's it's tough to get out of the the credit card uh what's the word um downward spiral yeah it's it uh it's a problem anyway we brought this claim against uh, mbna and uh i actually i instructed a barrister in his first trial that in a very good set of chambers not far from where we are in lincoln's inn Mm. and it was a top commercial set but they wanted their young barristers to cut their teeth by doing proper trials because young barristers and commercial sets just a little juniors and do Mm. support work for big commercial cases so this is something that excited this particular barrister and he uh he pulled out all the stops and i mean i thought it was very 50 50 whether we would win or not um but he managed to uh, persuade the judge who wasn't very familiar with this type of financial and selling litigation and uh, we, we, we beat them. But the bit I liked about most, and you might have to edit this out because it mm-hmm. shows me as being a bit disreputable myself, um, is I actually took a £10,000 interest-free lump sum from MBNA credit cards to cash flow the litigation. <laughs> and then w- when we won, they had to pay a very large cost, or it was like £35,000 on a £10,000 claim. Because yeah. they were fighting it for the principle. Yeah. They didn't want other people to be encouraged by this result. So um, I, then, I then used the money they paid me in legal fees after we'd won to pay off the £10,000 <laughs> loan that they'd given me on, on an MBNA credit card. Wow. It, it was, sadly, it was very satisfying to me that I had cash flow the litigation in that way. Yeah. Because the big problem with running no win, no leave, no, no yeah. win, no fee litigation for a law firm is you're not being paid for 18 months. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. You've got, I mean, how do you do it? You have to have a war chest. Yeah. So you can cash flow the litigation because you know that, and have enough cases that you know that enough of them will win. Yeah. That you'll have windfalls in the future. Yeah. I mean, how do you determine, like, whether you think this case is a really good one, this one's going to win? How do you decide which ones to take and which ones to leave? Well, you have to do a lot of preparation at the beginning. Mm. It's not rocket science. In order to succeed in, in on the battlefield, in sport, in other, you know, in uh, other areas of life, 
It's all about preparation. Mm. And you see, that's what lawyers don't like doing because if you're not being paid, you're spending a lot of time looking into eyeballing a case and the client mm. in order to decide whether or not this is a runner. Mm. So uh, you obviously you you I guess you get a bit of a feel. A client just feels like a true blue. I remember uh, another case against another credit card company actually, and she was just salt of the earth. Mm. You know, she worked as a shop manager. She was out. She was just like, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to take this. She was strong. Mm. And one of the, 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 the characteristics you're looking for in a client is that they are prepared to go all the way to trial. Because mm. if they're not, the other side sniff a weakness. And somehow they, they kind of sense that there's a weakness in the case. So a client who is not um, rabid mm. but is... Hang on. No, I'm not having this. Yeah. That's the sort of client you're looking for who's got backbone. Yeah, yeah. It makes your job running the case through to trial that much more much more easy. Yeah, and more satisfying, I imagine, because it's, it's, it goes to trial and, uh, and you get an actual case. Do you, do you, I mean, how do you feel about settling outside of court? Well... I mean, it's something like 2.5% of cases that actually go to trial. Mm, yeah, it's something it's low. very low. They're really pushing settling out outside of court, like alternative dispute resolution. and. They're pushing all of that. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, someone, you've got a dragon kicking and screaming. And, uh, you know, that's the opponents I end up, you know, in, in uh, locking horns with because... Mm. There are, there are plenty of opponents out there who will just say, all right, sue me. I don't believe you've got a big enough pair of... Your equipment is big enough <laughs> to take it all the way. Yeah. I don't, and if they're a, bi if they're a, big a corporation... Big enough bundle. Big enough bundle. I don't know what the colloquial <laughs> expression is these days. <laughs> and... Um... What was I going to say? client who's, to, who's uh -huh. prepared to go all the way, that's what you want. Yeah. And so in the... But, but you see, if they're prepared to go all the way, if you're ready for battle, that's when settlement opportunities arise. Yeah, yeah. And that, so it's the best way of avoiding a trial, mm. is being prepared to go all the way to one. Yeah, yeah. Being in a strong negotiating position, I guess. Um, so in that particular case with the with the, the uh, Bank of America or the uh, credit card um, case what was your role in that you talked about you know that you you prepared all of the case and and then you instructed the barrister can you speak a bit more about the, the process yeah you're, you're a bit like a producer in a movie and the barrister is the actor mm. and actually sisters are a bit like this they they so oh, I like the look of that actor that that QC let's have him mm. so you um, you actually do marshal a team in, in some ways like you're producing a movie mm. it's not a bad uh, analogy really and you, you might need an expert like we had a, a financial expert to explain the impact of the compound interest and what Bank of America was really earning and mm. how much they were really screwing our client yeah so you have you wheel in your your expert you wheel in your barrister uh, you may uh, you need a good partnership with the with the insurer, who needs to know the case is strong, and mm. they trust you 
to deliver such that they will get the other side to pay their insurance premium mm-hmm. uh, or since the law changed you ha- a share of the pie along with the lawyer so you uh, you kind of your job is in some ways super supervisory mm-hmm. building this kind of building a team that you trust and uh, and then you know the biggest job is is often just liaising with the client mm. and actually uh, saying to them look I don't believe you. That's nonsense. And actually being quite hardball with them, yeah. cross-examining them, mm. uh, treating them mean mm. uh, so that uh, they know what's at stake and, and you flush out all that evidence, uh, all that sort of testimony. Mm. Uh, you, you iron out the problems in advance because once you get towards trial, you know, you're burning money yeah and you need you don't really want to be insecure about your client and the strength of your case and the strength of your team uh you know at that at that, at that relatively late part, um, point of proceedings mm. and uh, i guess it's good for the client as well because they're going to be i mean if they end up being cro- having a, a difficult cross-examination in court having gone through a process similar very hard difficult process beforehand with you is going to give them good preparation yeah. to stand them in good stead. exactly right it's kind of like that yeah and this is why i think that no win no fee can be a client's best friend because the lawyer is incentivized to make sure that the case is strong and to mm. properly prepare the case traditional law the taxi meter approach where we just do hours of work and then we send you an invoice, and then another invoice, and then we say, oh, I'm not sure your case is as strong as we thought it was initially. And the client's like, what? And they say, well, there's this bit of evidence and that bit of evidence, and counsel said this, oh, and here's our invoice. Mm. And it's still the same amount of money. I mean, the legal profession, God bless them, must be the only profession where they get paid even if they deliver a bad result. Yeah. Even if they completely lose the battle, they get paid as much as if they'd won it on mm. the traditional taxi meter rate yeah i mean the world needs to wake up yeah 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 so you you find that the no win no fee lawyers they can't afford uh to to lose frankly so built into the process is a sort of like reassurance that the case is strong and and that your lawyer is motivated to fight for victory yes yeah so you mentioned that Swedish case. Can you explain that a bit more? Yeah, I mean, I like that case because I think that was a classic sort of vindication of no win, no fee. Yeah. Uh, because she was living uh, overseas. She'd been in a relationship with a, uh, a man in London. They'd bought a property together. He'd made most of the mortgage payments, but she'd helped him... Uh, to basically buy the house over mm-hmm. time. The relationship came to an end. She went back home to Sweden. Mm. He stayed in the house. And when she sort of raised, politely raised the topic after the relationship had ended, what about my share of the property? He was like, go whistle. Yeah. And she'd actually, I think she'd ended the relationship pretty much. So oh, okay. he was not in he a He was ha- in a bitter... 
No, quite. It's a mood. And I know the, the, the cliche is that women are emotional and men are reasonable, but the reverse was true in this case. Mm. He, what was so interesting was he was really emotional about it and didn't want to give her a penny uh, of, you know, the proceeds of the property. Yeah. So, um, so basically, she was overseas, so she was unfamiliar with the legal system. She couldn't afford to start paying a, law a lawyer on an hourly rate basis. She was a true blue, and uh, she found out about me through an estate agent in, in um, the London Bridge area. And I agreed to run no win, no fee case. I agreed to take 25% of whatever she got out of the property. Uh, and in return, I would work um, for free. She paid for some of the disbursements along the way, two, three thousand pounds worth. And actually, one of the things I did want to, to say was, and this touches on the compensation culture point, is that I actually never do completely no win, no fee. Because yeah. I don't think there's anything such as a free lunch. And I, I want to know that the clients are prepared to put their money where their mouth is. Yeah. And actually writing a cheque and handing it to the lawyer, it's not, just about, it's not really about the money. It's that I know that they think, that they think deep in their bones that they've got a strong case. Yeah. It makes it a bit more real and uh, shows commitment. Yeah, otherwise they're freeloading off, yeah. off, off the lawyer. Like as happened in the personal injury sector. And yeah. that's what gave rise to the compensation culture. Yeah. Lawyers saying, don't worry, uh, I had a client just a couple of weeks ago, he said, oh, I'm running a case for him. And he said, I've got this other situation. My wife, she tripped over the pavement outside Tesco's and she actually badly sprained her ankle. Mm -hmm. And a week later, we saw that Tesco's had repaired the paving. And he was, you know, obviously hunting for a yeah. rescue after them. And I was like, Look, just go round to Tesco's, speak very politely to whatever department. They're a big supermarket store. They'll have people who get complaints of this nature all the time. Explain the situation. Said you've incurred medical costs because of the sprained ankle. Yeah. Invite them to do the right thing. Yeah. You, you might be surprised. Um, and that's what the compensation, that's the, 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 the way that the compensation culture road on and to be mm. fair to the, the parliament when they changed the law in 2013 it was because of those abuses yeah 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 mm -hmm. anyway i back to the, back the, to the swedish case so uh so that was that was a satisfying case we yeah. were as reasonable as we possibly could be with yeah. him but the truth is that most defendants follow the uh, age-old strategy that the ostriches pioneered, uh -huh. which is sticking their heads as deep into uh. the sand as they possibly can, yeah. and ignoring the problem in the hope that it will go away, and that their opponent, pretty blonde Swedish lady, yeah. will just go away. Yeah, and she didn't. And the most um, we won, and we won reasonably handsomely. This law firm uh, won handsomely because. He was a bit of an idiot, really, and he mm. fought it quite a long way before his own barrister was saying to him in court, you need to try and settle this. Um, but by then, our bill was, you know, was yeah. substantial. And so we got a share of the 
uh, 25% share of the equity, plus they had to pay our legal bill. Yeah. So it was um, uh, a good result for a law firm. It was also really interesting. I did a, an interview with the, the Swedish dad. I went and, visit, went and visited her at her home in Sweden. And one of the most surprising things she said was, I felt that, uh, you know, it's this process stood me on my own two feet. Yeah. And I felt like I'm an entrepreneur. I know how to take care of my business affairs. And I, obviously the money was great. But I just feel, you know, she, she said this, I just feel a strong character now as a result of that process. Yeah, yeah. Gosh. So that That's... was special. Yeah, yeah, that is a special case because often you hear these horror stories of people saying how, you know, horrific the court process is and it's so difficult. And uh, But having someone who's gone through it and that they feel stronger as a result is quite, well, quite inspiring. Yeah, it's, I guess it's those sorts of cases that, that mean you're stupid enough to jump back into the pond as a lawyer after, you, you know, you've had that experience. You, that the, you then forget the, the the nail biting, the months of nail biting, yeah. and you were worried you might lose and and not get a penny. You see, fear is a very powerful force, and the simple fear mm. of having to lose and the financial damage, even though really your chances of winning are very high. Um, you know, it puts most people off, you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and bet. most lawyers off. Yeah, I bet. You could lose a lot of sleep over that. Moving on to um, talk a little bit about the, the, the justice system as a whole. You've had a lot of experience. You've been going for, you know, over 20 years as a, as a litigation lawyer. In your experience, is there anything that you would change? The, the problem is we've seesawed, so... We've gone from access to justice to what's the opposite of access to justice, no entry. Yeah, yeah. And the issue fees have now leapt up. Everything is about money. If it moves, bid it. Mm. So you now have to pay a, a, a massive issue fee in certain in, in cases, in money cases. Um, and uh, it's now can be quite difficult to uh, get that access to justice. Legal aid is rapidly vanishing. Mm. Citizens' advice bureaus are closing down. I mean, there are, they talk about legal aid deserts or areas of the country where there's no access to any sort of legal aid and support for, for those who are poor or those who are on middle incomes. And so it's sad to see it becoming the province of the rich. Yeah. You know, even just walking here uh, earlier this afternoon, I met a barrister who's a friend, and I told him what I was doing, he said, you know, I said, I, but I've got a commercial case. I've got a little commercial case, intellectual property case for a business. And it's like, oh, my God, the court system is excellent. Someone answers the phone when you ring up the court. They respond to your emails immediately. And the fees are like twice what they are in the normal county court system. Yeah. And that's, you should get into commercial work, he says. And you think, well... It's just a shame that the court system is so poorly underfunded. Mm. And I'm afraid, you know, the sun readers don't really care about the law. They want to know that the government's shoveling money into the hospitals. Yeah, and more to, police on the and streets. More police on the streets. Mm. 
but I mean, the, the police can arrest these people, but who's going to exactly. appear in court for them? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, or against them? So, yeah. but, it, but in my area, the only area I, I, I really uh, know about is in the county court system of mm. England and Wales. Mm. It's it's on a bit of a shoestring. Yeah. And access uh, delayed is access denied, as they say. Yeah. And, uh, and the court, the problems, the underfunded courts and the bureaucratic complications that you face, um, you know, make it, you know, very annoying at times, mm. to put it mildly. Mm. So I think if I could, you know, if, if, if I was prime minister, uh, I would, make sure that we had a properly funded civil justice system. It's kind of as simple as that. It's not that, that big a slice of the, of the pie, is it, in yeah. terms of the Treasury's you know, overall budget each year? Yeah, a few of those billions going into the no-Brexit deal preparations oh. could go into legal aid, and uh, we could well be better off. Um, anyway... It's a shame. Um, yeah. It's a shame, because we, we had... Um, a Rolls-Royce justice system, criminal and civil. And I, I said at the beginning of this interview, you know, I got out of crime. And unfortunately, I was in a conference with a client who was uh, arrested for being um, an accessory to murder, mm. who subsequently acquitted. And we had a conversation with him where we said to him, right, now let's talk about what barrister we're going to get you. And we, senior partner who was with me in the conference, I'd handled the police station work for this chap, said to him, quite rightly, have you got any money? Mm. What about your uncle? He was, and I, I realised that the criminal justice system had changed. Yeah. And actually, you needed now to pay for the best representation in the criminal justice system. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's been a drop in prosecutions, I think, because, well, maybe, be, m m m possibly because of the, le the legal cuts. And yeah, well, I guess it's hitting to... from both ends. Yeah. The, the legal aid budget is shrunk. The barristers, the criminal ba barristers and, and solicitors uh, have seen their um, pay fall through the floor. But the Sun Reader don't really care yeah. if a barrister is being underpaid because they just think, all the lawyers in the world are rich. Mm. Um, and then you're getting it from the other side because I guess the Crown Prosecution Service is underfunded too. Yeah. Well, maybe we could leave it on a positive. <laughs> well, point. I know. Cause, uh, cause we could we, try. Well, is there anything that you've seen that has pleasantly surprised you? Anything that you feel like, you know, great, this is, this is the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. This is fantastic. Well, it's better than Poland, where I spent a lot of my year. Their, their legal system, you know, makes ours look There are a lot of Polish listeners. Well, you know, you might, if you're watching this, you need to know the truth. In, in, in yeah. Poland, uh, and this impacts on the Poles who are in the UK. Yeah. In, the po in Poland, they don't think they can trust their uh, civil justice system. Mm. And they just don't go there. Yeah. But you need to know that actually, in spite of what we've said, yeah. It is a very highly evolved mm. and um, industrious uh, civil justice system. Mm. And look, I could go through all my successes. You know, you pick winners. And if a claim has real merit and there's a client who's determined, uh, you find a way. 
Mm. Uh, you really do. Uh, and so I don't think, um, uh, and you, you know, you make it work and you put up with the, the headaches and the delays. But, you know, a determined client with a strong ca- case will win through. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a trusted system. If they find if, the right lawyer. <laughs> yeah, if you find the right lawyer and uh, and you can access the justice system, then it's a, a, a good trusted system. Um, good, very good. So thank you very much, Alex, for talking to me today. It was very interesting. Well, thank you for letting me gas on in the beautiful late afternoon sunshine. And um, for... For those of you who are listening, do check out Alex's website, redwoodlegal.co.uk. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there you can click on resources. I've been checking it out myself. And there you can find lots of videos and uh, link onto the YouTube channel. So yeah. Very helpful. Or if you just put Redwood Legal into YouTube, it will come yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we've also got, uh, uh, we haven't really mentioned it, but we've got a support service because... What is happening now is that a lot of people are running their own cases in the courts. So we've got a support service for litigants mm. in person. And yep. you'll find that online and as part of the YouTube channel as well. Mm. And I'm writing a book. Yeah, I remember that you were writing a book. Yeah. And when is it going to be published? It's about, is it based on small claims and working it, your way through the justice system? It's to help people who are running their own cases and can't afford a lawyer. And I'm... I, I think I'm going to call it dogfighting in the county court system of England and Wales um, because uh, I think the best analogy for litigation is World War One fighter pilots. Uh, so that will be the, what's the word, the practical wingman yeah. for you if you are running your own case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that will be coming out um, in the autumn. In the autumn. Brilliant. Are you writing it at the moment? Yeah, I've, I've outlined it. I've Very done, good. I've done the outline. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so it, I should be able to finish it reasonably quickly. Brilliant. Great. Okay. Well, when the book is published, I will certainly put a link on it on the Study Legal English website. So... Very good. Thank you, uh, Alex, again. And thank you, Louise. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Study Legal English podcast. If you really want to get ahead, why not become a member and gain access to many learning resources? Visit studylegalenglish.com forward slash pricing.